ਕਾ ਖਾਲਸਾ ਵਾਹਿਗੁਰੂ ਜੀ ਕੀ ਫਤਿਹ ਵੈਲਕਮ ਟੂ ਦਾ ਸਿੱਖ ਹਿਸਟਰੀ ਪੋਡਕਾਸਟ ਦਿਸ ਪੋਡਕਾਸਟ ਸੀਰੀਜ਼ ਟ੍ਰਾਂਸਪੋਰਟਸ ਅਸ ਬੈਕ ਇਨਟੂ ਦਾ ਲਾਈਫਸ ਐਂਡ ਟਾਈਮਸ ਆਫ ਆਰ ਐਂਸਿਸਟਰਸ ਐਂਡ ਪ੍ਰੋਵਾਈਡਸ ਅ ਹਿਸਟੋਰਿਕ ਕੰਟੈਕਸਟ ਟੂ ਦੀ ਐਵੋਲੂਸ਼ਨ ਆਫ ਦਾ ਸਿੱਖ ਰਿਲੀਜੀਅਨ ਆਰ ਵੈਲਿਊਸ ਆਰ ਥਾਟਸ ਆਰ ਪ੍ਰਿੰਸੀਪਲਸ ਐਂਡ ਆਰ ਐਥਿਕਸ ਥੈਟ ਬਾਈਂਡ ਅਸ ਟੁਗੇਦਰ ਐਸ ਅ ਵਰਲਡਵਾਈਡ ਕਮਿਊਨਿਟੀ In the first part of the series we chronicle the growth of the Sikh religion from the birth of the founder Guru Nanak in 1469 to the death of Guru Gobind Singh in 1708 This period was one of tremendous political and social unrest in India the Indian society was inherently discriminatory and oppressive towards women the poor and those who stood in opposition to the ruling classes The Sikh gurus opposed such policies and sacrificed their lives to uphold the fundamental rights to equality, justice, freedom and religion. In this episode we shall talk about the ninth Sikh guru, Guru Tegh Bahadur and the political turbulence which had turned against the Sikhs in the 17th century in India. The time of Guru Tegh Bahadur's guruship was marked by Aurangzeb's unprecedented policies of oppression against the Sikhs as well as the Hindus, Buddhists and the Jains. It would be fair to characterize Aurangzeb as a ruthless, power-hungry ruler who had an utter disregard for human rights and was also intolerant and hostile to all faiths other than Islam. Guru Tegh Bahadur laid down his life in order to protect the rights of the common man the right to live a life of dignity the right to live a life without fear and the right to live a free life in their own lands Guru Tegh Bahadur's legacy guides Sikhs to stand up against oppression before we get into details let's revisit the social and political climate of India between the 15th and the 17th centuries and the birth of Sikhism under Guru Nanak In the 15th century the Indian society was deeply divided into Hindus and Muslims. Muslim invaders had occupied India by the 13th century and had started a forceful conversion of Hindus to Islam. On the other hand, Hindu society was plagued by rigid caste structures, so much so that the women, the low castes and the poor were deprived of the basic human rights to an honorable living. In this society Guru Nanak's Sikhs or disciples created a whole new identity for themselves a society in which men and women were treated equally and there were no class discrimination moreover Guru Nanak's teachings emphasized naam japna or remembering god in one's actions kirt karni or earning through honest and creative work and vanchakna or sharing earnings with others These teachings became the hallmark of the new Sikh society. The other gurus built the Sikh values on top of these ideals and at the same time never deviated from the teachings of Guru Nanak. When Guru Angad took over Guru Nanak's mantle, he collected Nanak's teachings, he standardized Gurmukhi script and gave the Sikhs their own written language. Guru Angad's emphasis on physical fitness for Sikhs laid the foundation for Guru Har Gobind to later raise an army of able-bodied men in a very short period of time. Guru Amar Das as the third Sikh guru defined the Sikh ideals clearly and precisely for a whole range of important issues. He fought against the caste structures and against the oppression of women. His most notable hymn, the Anand, is sung at all religious ceremonies of the Sikhs. 
Guru Amar Das was also responsible for instituting the festival of Vesakhi and even today Sikhs from all walks of life and all parts of the world celebrate the festival together. The fourth Guru, Guru Ram Das, was a true visionary for his ability to foresee the need for a moral and ethical code of conduct for the Sikhs. At every Sikh wedding today, the profound spiritual hymns known as the Lava, which were composed by Guru Ram Das, guide a couple to live their life as one soul and embody trust in each other. Guru Arjan was the fifth Guru. He composed a number of hymns and compiled the teachings of the previous Gurus into the Adi Granth. Guru Arjan penned the hymn Sukhmani, constructed the Harmandar Sahib and established the city of Amritsar as the nerve centre of the Sikhs. By the end of the 16th century, the Sikhs had become conscious of the fact that they were neither Hindus nor Muslims but formed a third community of their own. Times were rather peaceful and the Sikhs thrived in Punjab and all over India. However, in 1606, when Jahangir was crowned the Mughal Emperor of India, he started persecuting the Sikhs. Jahangir had premeditated action against Guru Arjan and within seven months of him becoming the Emperor, Jahangir had Guru Arjan executed. This horrendous act changed the course of Sikh history and under the leadership of young Guru Hargobind, the Sikh emphasis changed from a peaceful propagation of the teachings of the Sikh Gurus to the forthright declaration of the right to defend their faith by arms. In 1609, Guru Hargobind built the Akal Takht and infused in the Sikhs a confidence that they could challenge the might of the Mughals and stand up against social persecution. During Guru Hargobind's guruship, Shah Jahan, the Mughal emperor, extended his hostilities towards the Sikhs and his forces attacked the Sikhs four times. In all four battles, the rather small Sikh forces conclusively defeated the Mughal army. To avoid any hostilities with the Mughals and to concentrate on the welfare of the Sikhs, Guru Hargobind retired to Kiratpur in the foothills of the Himalayas and a place not easily prone to attacks by the Mughals. Teg Bahadur was the youngest son of Guru Hargobind. His name was Tyagmal and he was born on April 1st, 1621. Tyagmal spent his childhood in the company of Baba Buddha and Bhai Gurdas who taught him the arts of archery, horse riding as well as a thorough understanding of the hymns of all the earlier Gurus as recorded in the Adi Granth. In February 1633, he was married to Gujri, the daughter of Lal Chand and Bishankor of Kartarpur. In 1634, when the Mughal forces attacked Guru Hargobind in Kartarpur, Tyagmal and his elder brother Gurditta had successfully defended the Sikhs. Guru Hargobind was so impressed with the prowess of Tyagmal that he gave him the name Teg Bahadur or one who is the master of the sword. Soon after the battle of 1634 in Kartarpur, Guru Hargobind retired to Kiratpur in the foothills of the Himalayas to concentrate on the welfare of the Sikhs. One drawback of retreating away from Amritsar to Kiratpur was that Guru Arjun's rebel son, Prithichand's successors, also known as the Minas, occupied Amritsar. Prithichand's son, Meherban, who was close to the Mughal rulers, and he occupied the Harmandar Sahib, which remained under him and his son Harji's control from about 1635 to 1695. 
the Minas played havoc with the Sikh ideology and introduced a lot of mythology into the teachings of Guru Nanak and other Sikh Gurus. As a result, to counter the influence of Minas, Guru Hargobind sent Teg Bahadur to Bakala, a town situated midway between the present-day cities of Amritsar and Jalandhar. Teg Bahadur took immense interest in the activities of the Sikhs and after the death of Guru Hargobind in 1644, made Bakala his home. When Guru Har Rai was appointed the seventh Sikh Guru, Teg Bahadur worked closely with him and would often come to visit him in Kiratpur. There are a lot of stories that say that Teg Bahadur was in meditation at Bakala. However, given the circumstances and the proximity of Bakala to Amritsar, it is quite likely that Teg Bahadur's time in Bakala was spent in preserving the teachings of the Adi Granth, perhaps even making copies of it for distribution to six centers all over India. In 1656, Teg Bahadur visited Guru Har Rai in Kiratpur. This time also coincided with the visit from the Masands of Far East who wished for Guru Har Rai to travel to the areas of Bihar and Bengal. Being preoccupied with the affairs at Kiratpur, Guru Har Rai deputed Teg Bahadur to travel to the East. On June 9, 1656, Teg Bahadur left Kiratpur and travelled as far as Bihar, Bengal and Assam and spent almost eight years in the region. In the meantime, on June 15, 1659, Aurangzeb, having killed all his brothers who could have been possible claimants to the Mughal Empire, declared himself as the Mughal Emperor and established his capital in Delhi. Aurangzeb's coming to power marked the beginning of a long, consistent and active policy of persecution of the Sikhs as well as the Hindus. Aurangzeb first ordered a complete ban on the construction of new temples and in due course he further imposed a ban on the repairs of the old temples as well. As the temples began to wear out, he finally ordered their demolition. This was in keeping with his goal of eventually converting everyone in India to Islam and making India a Darul Islam or a Muslim state only. The persecution first started in Bihar, Bengal and Orissa and slowly spread to all areas of India. Ancient Hindu temples in Banaras and Mathura were also destroyed. On 6th October 1661, Guru Har Rai passed away and appointed his five-year-old son Har Krishan as the eighth Sikh Guru. In 1664, Aurangzeb summoned Guru Har Krishan to Delhi. Although Guru Har Krishan came to Delhi, he repeatedly refused to meet with Aurangzeb, who ruled all of India only from a few miles away in Old Delhi. Simultaneously, in March 1664, an epidemic of smallpox broke out in Delhi. Due to its communicable nature, not many people were inclined to help the suffering population. In this environment, Guru Har Krishan and his Sikhs stepped forward to help the needy and provide care for the suffering population. The well-established practice of the Swand and Langar or community kitchen ensured that there was always enough money and food to take care of the ailing and the needy. Unfortunately, while taking care of the smallpox patients, Guru Har Krishan himself was infected which led to his untimely demise on March 30, 1664. He was only seven years and eight months at the time. Before passing away on March 30, 1664, Guru Har Krishna appointed Teg Bahadur as the ninth Sikh Guru. 
Tegh Bahadur was also his grandfather Baba Gurditta's younger brother, affectionately called as Baba Bakala or the elder uncle who lived in Bakala. Also, Guru Har Krishan sensed that if Aurangzeb came to know that Guru Tegh Bahadur would succeed him as the next Guru, it would upset the delicate peace between the Sikhs and Aurangzeb. For the next few months, Guru Tegh Bahadur retreated to Bakala and kept a low profile. This prompted some speculation as to the identity of the new Guru. Sensing an opportunity, Dhirmal, the grandson of Guru Hargobind, declared himself as the ninth Sikh Guru and set up his camp at Bakala. On October 9, 1664, Makhan Shah Lubana, a prominent Sikh merchant from Gujarat, visited Bakala. He was responsible for collecting the Daswant, a voluntary contribution from the Sikhs in Gujarat and bringing it over to the Gurus every year. When he reached Bakala, he was surprised to find Dhirmal was propped up as a Guru. However, he was able to confirm the Guruship of Guru Tegh Bahadur and steered the Sikhs away from the imposters. It should be noted that Makhan Shah and his family was intimately connected to the Gurus. Earlier, when Guru Har Rai had toured Kashmir in 1661, he had stayed with Makhan Shah's father, Pai Tasa, in his ancestral home at Wazirabad, now in Pakistan. There are many stories surrounding these events. However, these stories were invented much later in order to insert mythical aspects to the actual events. In November 1664, Guru Tegh Bahadur embarked on a tour of the Punjab and reached Amritsar. Harmandar Sahib, founded earlier by Guru Arjan, was by now under the control of the Minas led by Harji, the grandson of Prithi Chand. They did not allow Guru Tegh Bahadur to enter the Harmandar Sahib and shut all the four entrances. Guru Tegh Bahadur did not force his way but calmly continued on his tour through the Maja and Malwa regions of Punjab and spent some time in Kiratpur. In May 1665, Guru Tegh Bahadur purchased a piece of land near the Makhowal region of Punjab from the estate of Raja Deep Chand, who had recently passed away. This town was renamed as Chaknanki after his mother. In due course of time, the beautiful town of present-day Anandpur grew up around it. Guru Tegh Bahadur's stay at Anandpur was short and in August 1665, he set out on travels to eastern India. These travels were specifically tailored with the aim of instilling confidence amongst the people, mainly Hindus, who feared retribution by Aurangzeb. This did not go well with the local Muslim clerics and on their complaints, Aurangzeb arrested Guru Tegh Bahadur. Favorably for the Sikhs, Raja Ram Singh, son of Raja Jai Singh, who had hosted Guru Harkrishan in Delhi a few years ago, interceded and the Guru was released. Guru Tegh Bahadur continued his journey, this time travelling eastward to Mathura, Banaras and eventually to Patna. He left his family at Patna and continued further to Bengal and Assam. Almost 150 years ago, Guru Nanak had visited these areas and there was a sizable Sikh population that flourished in both Assam and Bengal. In December 1666, Guru Tegh Bahadur's only son, Gobind Rai, was born in Patna. With Patna as a base, Guru Tegh Bahadur continued to travel peacefully throughout the region till about 1670.
Meanwhile, Aurangzeb had grown more intolerant of the Hindus and on April 8, 1669, he issued orders to the governors of all his provinces to destroy without any mercy all schools and temples of the Hindus and in particular they were strictly instructed to put an end to the practice of idol worship. Under these circumstances, Guru Tegh Bahadur decided to return to the Punjab. Back in Punjab Guru Tegh Bahadur traveled extensively and moved about with the people of Punjab constantly uplifting their spirits against all the atrocities of Aurangzeb the principle of justice as laid out earlier by Guru Nanak formed an important feature of his ideology he emphasized that the exploitation of poor by the rich was unjust and equally unjust was for the poor and weak to compromise with such oppression and tyranny Guru Tegh Bahadur said that living a truly spiritual life meant that one should neither oppress nor allow to be oppressed ever since Guru Nanak Sikh teachings have emphasized the basic human rights of equality justice freedom and religion under the inspiring teachings of Guru Tegh Bahadur the Sikhs regained their confidence and continued to grow in numbers and resources This tour lasted about 4 years and in 1674 he came back to Anandpur even while traveling Guru Tegh Bahadur was deeply connected with the teachings of the Sikh gurus and he himself composed about 116 hymns that were added to the Adi Granth by Guru Gobind Singh he showed a remarkable understanding of music and his compositions were spread over 15 ragas he also introduced raga jay jayavanti for his compositions Meanwhile Aurangzeb had accelerated his efforts to convert all Hindus to Islam at that time in Hinduism the Brahmins of Kashmir and Banaras enjoyed a reputation of being the wisest and most knowledgeable amongst all Hindu priests hence Aurangzeb decided to convert them first in the hope that once the wisest of them had embraced Islam the rest would have no choice but to follow suit Iftihar Khan the governor of Kashmir redoubled his efforts to persecute the Brahmins of Kashmir the Brahmins approached the Rajput kings for protection these kings not wanting to upset their equation with Aurangzeb did nothing to protect the Hindu Brahmins as a last resort they decided to approach Guru Tegh Bahadur for guidance via one of his disciples Kriparam it has been said in various stories that Kriparam was a Kashmiri Brahmin This is another story that needs attention. When Guru Nanak had visited Kashmir about 150 years earlier, he had debated the Sikh philosophy with a learned Brahmin, Pandit Brahmdas. Brahmdas was so impressed with Guru Nanak's philosophy that he became a follower and dedicated his life to spread Guru Nanak's message. Subsequently his son Narayan Das was intimately connected with Guru Har Gobind and his grandson Aduram with Guru Har Rai Kriparam was Aduram's son and hence belonged to the family that had served Sikh gurus for four generations the Kashmiri Brahmins appealed to Kriparam to arrange for a meeting with Guru Tegh Bahadur in Anandpur this meeting took place on May 25th 1675 and Guru Tegh Bahadur provided them with moral encouragement He also told the Brahmins to go back and tell the authorities that they would embrace Islam if they could prevail upon Guru Tegh Bahadur to embrace Islam. This only served to precipitate the differences between the Sikhs and the Mughals. 
During this time, Aurangzeb was busy in Hassan Abdal, now in Pakistan, quelling a rebellion by the Pathans. He was already circumspect of the Sikhs and deputed his governors to keep a watch on the affairs of the Sikhs. These governors sent highly misleading reports to Aurangzeb, sometimes even saying that Guru Tegh Bahadur was persecuting Hindus by collecting taxes. Inclined to believe his governors, Aurangzeb wrote to the governor of Lahore, Muzaffar Hussain, to arrest Guru Tegh Bahadur. Muzaffar passed on the orders to Dilawar Khan, the commander of Sirhind, who in turn passed it to Noor Muhammad Khan, an official in Roper. Guru Tegh Bahadur, sensing trouble, proceeded towards Delhi on July 8, 1675. He hoped to meet with Aurangzeb and resolve the crisis. He was well aware that in case the talks did not succeed, he would himself have to face the consequences. On July 12, 1675, on his way to Delhi, Guru Tegh Bahadur, along with his followers Matidas, Satidas, Dayala, and numerous others, were arrested near Roper and sent to Sirhind. They were kept here until Aurangzeb returned to Delhi from Hassan Abdal. In Delhi, they were imprisoned in Chandni Chowk. just outside of Aurangzeb's capital at the Red Fort. Aurangzeb was inflexible in his religious views and was under the influence of the Naqshbandi order. This was the same Naqshbandi order that under Sheikh Ahmed Sirhindi had turned Jahangir against Guru Arjan. Now, Sirhindi's grandson, Saifuddin, was Aurangzeb's spiritual guide. Earlier, Aurangzeb had also justified the murders of his brothers and the imprisonment of his father Shah Jahan on the ground of his devotion to the cause of Islam. In this frame of mind, Aurangzeb offered two alternatives to Guru Tegh Bahadur: one, to embrace Islam, or two, to prepare himself for a torturous death. Guru Tegh Bahadur refused to convert to Islam and upheld his right to freedom of religion not only for the Sikhs but also for all other religious sects in India including the Hindus the Jains and the Buddhists etc to terrify the guru his followers Pai Matidas Pai Satidas and Pai Diala were inhumanly tortured to death by pouring boiling water on them and by sawing them alive On November 11th, 1675, Guru Tegh Bahadur was beheaded in a public execution. The Gurdwara Seeskanch now stands in Chandni Chowk in Delhi at the place where Guru Tegh Bahadur was beheaded. His body was collected by one devout disciple, Lucky Shah Vanjara. To avoid any suspicion by Aurangzeb, he cremated Guru Tegh Bahadur's body in his own house and took his head to Anandpur. At the site of Lucky Shah's house, the Gurdwara Rakab Kanch now stands next to the Indian Parliament. The place where Guru Tegh Bahadur's head was cremated in Anandpur is also known as Sis Kanch. Guru Tegh Bahadur left a remarkable legacy unparalleled in the history of the world. His martyrdom had a uniqueness of its own. It was a case undertaken not to achieve any spiritual or political advantage, but to assert the principles of freedom. justice and equality a poet sena singh in the court of guru gobind singh described his role as pragat bhaye gurtek bahadur sagal srist pe dhaki chadar or in other words guru tek bahadur by his supreme sacrifice preserved the honor of the entire world he stood up not only for the six 
but also for all the oppressed Hindus and other minorities who were forced by the intolerant and rigid Aurangzeb to embrace Islam. Guru Tegh Bahadur's 11 years of Guruship were marked by spectacular events that altered the course of Indian history. Having failed to convert Guru Tegh Bahadur to Islam, Aurangzeb turned indifferent to the Hindus and Sikhs but did not reverse his policies of oppression. He remained as unjust a ruler as the world had ever seen and even employed higher taxes to further oppress non-Muslims. Till about 10 years after the brutal murder of Guru Tegh Bahadur, Aurangzeb did not interfere in the Sikh affairs but returned with a vengeance against Guru Gobind Singh. We will talk about these in a later episode. After Guru Nanak, Guru Tegh Bahadur was the most travelled Guru and spread Guru Nanak's message far and wide. He travelled to the easternmost regions of Assam and Tripura in present-day India. He strengthened the Sikh faith in Bengal and provided Sikhs with the moral and spiritual courage required to stand up against oppression. In between his travels, he also composed hymns that are now recorded in the Guru Granth Sahib. One of his most profound compositions states, Pe kahu ko det nahi, nahi pe manat an, kahu nanak sun re mana, gyani tahe bakhan. Or, the true wise one is he who neither oppresses nor recognizes oppression. These teachings were in line with Guru Nanak's philosophy. Today, these teachings guide Sikhs to stand up against oppression against the poor and the weak sections of the society. Before leaving for Delhi in 1675, Guru Tegh Bahadur had appointed his son Govind Rai as the 10th Sikh Guru. In the next episode, we will learn more about the life and times of Gobind Rai, who became Guru Gobind Singh, the last living Sikh Guru. Till then, keep listening and follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash ahistoryofsikhs or on our Twitter handle at ahistoryofsikhs. Vaheguru Ji Ka Khalsa, Vaheguru Ji Ki Fateh.